Hello everybody, my name is Tara Lilkendy. I'm a first year graduate student at the University of Florida studying mental health counseling. Um, I wanted to talk to you guys today a little bit about OCD and address some of the myths that surround OCD. Before we jump right into it, I just wanted to preface this with letting you guys know that I myself have been diagnosed with OCD. That's why I chose to do this as my project and I wanted to share some of the myths surrounding the diagnosis that I personally have and some of the ways that I have been affected by those myths. So first, right off the bat, I think it's important to start by quickly addressing what obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, is defined as, as well as give a few examples of what true OCD can look like. So OCD is defined by the DSM-5 as, quote, the presence of obsessions, compulsions, or both. So let's begin with the obsessions. These are characterized by distressing, unwanted or unwelcomed thoughts, images, or impulses that continuously enter your mind without your control. Common examples of obsessions that people report include extreme fear of contamination, germs, dirt, illnesses, etc. Fear of hurting those around them on accident or on purpose given unwanted impulse. Unwanted sacrilegious images uh, or sexual desires, right? Fear of unacceptable sexual desires and the need for exactness or preciseness. These obsessions begin to ratchet up the anxiety of an individual with OCD to the point where they might feel the need to perform senseless or, quote, ridiculous tasks to lessen these feelings of anxiety. These are compulsions. Some examples or common examples of compulsions include repeated activity over and over again until it, quote, feels right. So think about what you've seen on television, opening and closing a door multiple times, turning on and off a light switch. Excessive cleaning, including both spaces and a person. So we've seen the spaces, but in a person it's called, I believe, preening. And basically that can look like obsessive skin picking, hair pulling, even to the point where like you clip or preen your nails down to where you're bleeding because for some reason you don't like to see the white parts of your nails, let's say. Or you pick at the sides of your nails. Another example is ordering and rearranging things, checking rituals to make sure things are right in the right place or have been done right. So an example of that is going and like checking your doors are locked multiple times at night once you're in bed, things like that. Another less common example that people might think of is hoarding. So collecting what might seem like useless objects out of fear that you might either later need them or just the desire to keep them close to you. Um, and finally, using a saying or prayer to get rid of unwanted thoughts. Now, this can be internal or external, some sort of motto, but it, it is a compulsion that then helps to relieve those obsessive anxieties that you're feeling. Another thing I wanted to add before we jump into the myths surrounding OCD is the vicious dance of reinforcement that your compulsion and your obsessions do with each other. When an individual with OCD performs their compulsion and then their obsession does not happen, the compulsion and rationale behind it is then reinforced. For example, I check my door 10 times at night, and because I did that, I don't get robbed, raped, or murdered that night. So in this example, my brain attributes my safety to the fact that I checked my locks 10 times, not 9 times. So if I checked my locks 9 times, then I would have been raped, murdered, molested, something horrible would have happened to me. But even if I know logically that the probability of that set of events happening is very, very small, the fact that it did not happen reinforces the need to the, do my compulsion. And then the OCD cycle continues. So I just want to take a second and also stop and have you guys think about how traumatic and impactful it must be to go through these cycles every day around 
I mean, up to hundreds of things every single day. Again, looking back at the DSM-5 for a diagnosis, it requires you to be impacted seriously for one to eight hours a day, depending on the severity. Now that you guys have a little bit more of an understanding of what OCD can look like, let's just jump right into the myths. Okay, so right off the bat, one of the most harmful and minimizing myths and stereotypes around OCD is, quote, everybody is just a little bit OCD. OCD is a complex mental disorder that is defined by the Diagnostic Statistical Manual as, quote, the presence of obsessions and or compulsions. Obsessions are recurrent and persistent thoughts, urges, or images that are experienced as intrusive and unwanted, whereas compulsions are repetitive behaviors or mental acts that an individual feels driven to perform in response to an obsession or according to rules that must be rigidly applied. So you can't be a little OCD. There are set diagnostic criteria for you to be diagnosed with OCD. It is obsessive compulsive disorder. It is a disorder. And within the psychology field, it's disorder is something that has a significant impact on your everyday life and functioning. In the United States alone, 2.5 million or more adults are affected with OCD. And half a million young people are affected with OCD. Research has been proven that OCD is a processing disorder rather than a primarily anxiety disorder, which was what we thought it was before, and that people who have OCD, their brains are actually wired differently. So personally, after getting my diagnosis at 22 and working with my new psychiatrist, who is actually one of the leading researchers in the field of OCD, I learned about OCD being a processing disorder and about its high comorbid rate with ADHD, another processing disorder which I also have. So further research, recent research has found that the brain disorders like OCD are highly genetic and influenced by environmental factors. So that means that you're genetically predisposed to it and then certain things in your environment can pull those traits or pull the OCD out of you almost. This is why OCD is no longer categorized as an anxiety disorder. So no, everyone's not a little OCD. Unless your quality of life is majorly impacted by intrusive thoughts or compulsions, you do not have OCD. Now, I don't want to dismiss anybody who might be feeling anxious or having obsessive compulsive tendencies. We'll touch on that in a little bit. But to use the term OCD so offhandedly and so off the cuff is actually pretty damaging to those around you that might be suffering. So following up on that one is a little bit similar, but a little bit different. So everyone with OCD likes to have things tidy, neat, and organized. And I think that this relates to everyone's a little OCD because that's what we equate in society OCD with at this moment. Tidiness, organization, and doing things over and over again until they feel right. Some of the things that I've frequently heard from friends and family are along the lines of, because I like X thing a certain way, I totally have OCD. Or, oh man, my OCD makes it so I have to write my notes really straight. And comments like these are so diminishing and belittling to those who struggle daily with OCD. OCD is not a personality trait to bring out and use when you want people to know you like a clean, organized space. It's a chronic, lifelong struggle against your own brain chemistry. So, just to quickly touch on hoarding, it's a common symptom of OCD that doesn't look neat or tidy or clean. Hoarding looks like the inability to get rid of things that those with OCD consider to be valuable or something that you might need. For example, I have a really hard time getting rid of birthday cards and movie stub tickets and some of my books, even though I know I'm not going to read them again. These little things you need 
to keep start adding up and can actually start to look really messy, disorganized, and can even trigger somebody with OCD who has a cleaning compulsion in their own space. So just to picture that really quickly, imagine having a house that's so cluttered, it's starting to make you anxious. And because you're anxious, you have to start cleaning and throwing things away. But your brain starts freaking out because all of the things that you need to get rid of, you're really attached to. And the thought of throwing them away is an unbelievably anxiety provoking. So again, I think this highlights that cycle that somebody in OCD can find themselves in, like that endless dance. Personally, I believe saying something like, I'm so OCD offhandedly is like someone comparing having COPD to someone with mild asthma. Yes, they can look the same. You can still have trouble breathing with both of them, but one's a major medical problem that requires doctors and hospitalization most of the time, and the other is easily manageable. I think this, this is a good way to distinguish between anxiety and liking your space to be a certain way and what OCD looks like where it's you have to do it, and so it's that major medical disorder. So by saying you're so OCD or what you did was so OCD, you're actually contributing to microaggressions in the mental health community that diminish a group of people who are suffering chronically with a mental disorder. So for example, before I was even officially diagnosed, I realized I had OCD tendencies. But even then, I was overtly clear that OCD tendencies was just the best terminology that I could find to describe my experience. Obviously, later I was diagnosed with OCD, so they weren't just tendencies. I wanted to share this because you could have OCD without a diagnosis. It's totally possible. But until you get a diagnosis, you should try to be as compassionate and respectful as possible to a community of people who are chronically suffering and usually hear, I'm so OCD, as the butt of a joke. So this leads me into our third myth. It's easy to spot someone who has OCD. Entertainment has led many of us to believe that you can spot someone with OCD a mile away. TV shows like Monk, The Big Bang Theory, even Glee have added to the negative stereotypes of those with OCD. If you only got your information from media, you'd believe that all of us with OCD are obsessed with cleanliness, order, keeping things perfect. We get to see OCD as someone washing their hands 10 times, clicking light switches over and over again, going through doorways again and again, making sure their socks match, being upset if there's a wrong pen mark on a piece of paper. So it's no surprise that many people believe that this is all OCD looks like. The truth of the matter is, OCD looks extremely different for everyone, but it really comes back to that obsession and compulsion piece with the extreme dis distress and major life impact. The DSM categorizes mild to moderate OCD as someone who is preoccupied with their obsessions for, or compulsions for one to three hours per day and severe OCD as anything more than this. So some pretty common OCD symptoms are perseverating that you're going to get into your car, hit and kill somebody, thinking I need to run 10 miles even when you've only ever run five miles but your body, something in your body is telling you you got to keep going, uh, fear of germs or dirt. So I can only speak to what OCD looks like for me because, again, it looks so different for everyone. But OCD for me is thinking that raw fish and sushi is going to give me food poisoning, obsessing over throwing up. I do everything I can to avoid throwing up. And I love sushi. <laughs> and the thought that my OCD is causing me extreme distress about eating it is sad and it makes me upset. Um, I have a high obsession with contamination and worry. Um, that I'm going to get myself or somebody that I love and care about sick and potentially hurt them. Anybody who's been to my house knows it's not the most organized place in the world, 
but it's exactly what my OCD wants. I know where everything is and where everything goes. If someone throws something in the wrong trash can, for example, it's a mild annoyance to most, but for me, it can spark a panic attack, extreme anger, and frustration. I start thinking I'm going to have a bug infestation, and you can just insert some OCD spinning here. Now, I give you these examples of my personal life because none of these that you can see by looking at me. I don't have noticeable tics or compulsions that are visible. I don't walk through doorways four or five different times. This means that in the world, I get to live where everyone believes that I'm neurotypical. This is both a blessing and a curse. On one hand, I get to exist in a space without bias or judgment for my mental disability. But on the other hand, my OCD is very much present in every single minute of every day and people act like and treat me like it's not and act as though I should be able to be, quote, normal when I physically can't. This also adds to the amount of microaggressions I hear around OCD and ADHD because people don't assume that I have these things and think it's an okay or funny thing to say because they're not using the R word or calling somebody a schizophrenic. This is another reason why it's so important to stop using OCD so off the cuff. You never know when you're around someone who knows someone or who is personally majorly impacted by OCD. So I have two more myths that I'd like to touch on real quick and the next one is somebody with OCD is just weak willed and could stop doing their compulsions whenever they wanted to. This kind of comes back to a lot of the mental health stigma that we have in our society where somebody with anxiety or depression is told, oh just go for a run, get some exercise, go hang out with your friends, that it's just something that you can just stop doing. Um, but with OCD specifically, I want to bring it back to the neurological information that we've learned about and go a little bit deeper there. So we've learned more about OCD through neuroimaging. From these images, we've learned that the prefrontal striatal cortex, which we know is a very important part of the brain that supports executive functioning, doesn't function correctly in people with OCD. So I just wanted to highlight really quickly the difference in a response to anxiety that a neurotypical person has as compared to somebody with OCD with a little bit of an analogy. And I just want to preface this with please remember that everybody is different, everybody experiences anxiety differently, and this is just meant to give a general idea of the difference between somebody who's typically functioning with no anxiety disorders or anything and the difference between that and what OCD looks like. So imagine you have two men up in an airplane ready to jump off and go skydiving. So let's call one band Wow. One, Dan, and the other, Bill. Dan is neurotypical. Bill has OCD. So when Dan jumps off the plane, his anxiety response is going to shoot up. Now, as Dan starts to get out of control with anxiety, he's going to pull the ripcord on his chute. And the parachute is going to expand and pull him to safety, right? And the pulling of the chute is the prefrontal cortex kicking up. So Dan's able to take a step back, stop spinning out, and make a plan to safely land. Bill, on the other hand, once he jumps out and his anxiety starts spiking, he just keeps pulling on the ripcord and no chute is appearing. So no matter how hard Bill tries to lower his anxiety response, he can't. His prefrontal cortex is perpetually on a coffee break. It's just checked out and said, we're not here to help you. So... 
telling somebody with OCD to just stop their compulsions, for example, of checking a door 10 times at night, is like telling somebody with a broken parachute to keep pulling at the cord and expecting the chute to unfurl. There's a lot of factors that go into OCD treatment, and somebody with OCD can't just stop. So I know this is a little bit of a contrived situation, but I hope it gives you a bit more of an idea of the difference between anxiety or more typical anxiety and the experience of somebody with OCD. So the next myth, and I think I lied earlier, I have two more now. The next myth that I want to address is people with OCD do not know that they're being irrational. So as someone who struggles every day with their OCD and managing the effects of it, this one really pisses me off a bit because I know a lot of the times that my needs are irrational, stupid, or inconvenient. It doesn't minimize my need to do those compulsions at all. I'll say, I will say that there are times that I don't realize that I was being irrational until I've calmed down a bit, but usually given some space, I'm able to recognize that my thought process wasn't rational in that moment. The reason that this one's especially triggering for me is that a lot of the time, and even with some of my therapists I've had in the past before my diagnosis, have tried to explain away my compulsions or my obsessions by trying to be, by trying to tell me how irrational they are, how crazy I was being. Okay, let's not use the word crazy. That's not a good word to use. How irrational in that moment or impactful to the people around me that I cared about I was being. Um, it's really frustrating because I know that I'm being irrational. Even in the moment, sometimes I know that I'm being irrational and causing distress to some people that I care about. But it doesn't make it any easier to stop doing it, which can actually add to the frustration. So the final myth that I want to address today I think is the most important to me. And if you only took away one thing from this, I hope that it was about this myth and that it's OCD is funny and can be used as a joke. I think I've highlighted a lot of the reasons why it's not funny to joke about OCD, but unfortunately our culture and society still are. Um, from shirts and mugs that say things like, I have OCD, obsessive cleaning disorder, which is especially messed up, or I have OCD, obsessive corgi disorder, to comedians as recently as Stephen Colbert making insensitive jokes during a global health pandemic, or the Wall Street Journal publishing an article called We All Need OCD Right Now. OCD is the brunt of a lot of jokes about cleanliness and order, and especially recently surrounding the pandemic, which is quite triggering to people with contamin contamination OCD, the jokes have been increasing. OCD is not funny. It's not a joke. More than 40 people with OCD will experience depression, and more than 60% will experience suicidal thoughts at some point in their life, and 30% will actively attempt suicide. When you equate OCD with cleanliness and order like Colbert and the Wall Street Journal do, not only do you diminish and ignore the actual experience of people with OCD, you're also adding to the pervasive myth that OCD is only about cleanliness, that OCD is something that people should want to have, and that it's almost a positive trait, like Stephen Colbert was making a joke about, and how the Wall Street Journal is telling us all that we should have OCD right now. So to wrap everything up, I just want to end by saying my OCD is not a positive, coveted trait. No one should want to have OCD. I'm learning to accept and live with my unique experience, but it's been extremely hard and challenging. To have my experience minimized by jokes and myths is adding insult to injury. 
So thank you everybody for listening. And if you have any questions, concerns, want resources, or need help finding support, please feel free to reach out to me. So to wrap this up, I'd like to leave you with this question. What microaggressions are you using without realizing how harmful they can be? And what can you do to address and stop contributing to trauma and pain of those around you that you love, care about, or just in your surrounding community? Your words have value and they have impact.